0: Out in the desert, where the stakes are high, two men are ready to bear all. Strip Hockey, with Ryan the Hockey Guy and Jesse Granger. Exactly where everybody expected this series would be, 2-2, two to two going into Game 5, which will be, depending on what day you're listening to this, tomorrow. The Golden Knights, the Montreal Canadiens, the Stanley Cup Semi-Finals. It's taken me a long time to understand exactly how i'm supposed to refer to this series because usually it's the western conference final or the eastern conference final but the nhl has decided to make me work a little bit extra fucking hard this this year so that's fine not a big deal but it's a tie series after four games the golden knights the montreal canadians both teams get a split on the others home ice jesse um what what do you make of this series now that it's a best of three
1: I mean, obviously, I didn't think it was going to be as close as it has been. I didn't expect it to be 2-2 two to two after four games, for sure. But it, as far as, like, the actual how the play has gone on the ice, I think it's been pretty much what I expected up until last night, um, up until game four. And game four, the Montreal Canadiens found a way to absolutely just completely neutralize Anything offensively for the Golden Knights, that was the worst offensive game I've ever seen this team play in four years covering the team. And I don't know if it's just Vegas playing like crap or I mean, Montreal certainly has something to do with it. And Philip Deneau is a great defensive forward and they've got they've done this throughout the postseason, so they deserve some credit. But I think it's also Vegas out of sync and this team loses its confidence offensively and is just useless. So how much of it is Chandler Stevenson
0: not being in the lineup?
1: I think that plays a role for sure. But at the same time, Chandler Stevenson is a great fit on this team. He has worked wonders between Max Patchready and Mark Stone, but he's also Chandler Stevenson. The, if, if Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty can't pl- can't play without Chandler Stevenson, there are major, major issues.
0: <laughs> so okay i'm kind of in the same boat as you like i understand what chandler Stevenson brings to the table i understand the chemistry that he has with patch and stone but the fact of the matter is patch and stone are getting paid right now to put the team on their back and in this series and i'm not necessarily going to put Max Patch ready in that box just yet because he does have two assists and they have been important goals that he has helped set up. That all being said, that all being said, you're not getting anything out of Mark Stone right now. Defensively, he's been fine, but he's not generating offense. And when you are looking to a series where every scoring chance is going to be that much harder to come by. You need your leader to be the one leading you. And right now, the leader of this team has certainly been Alex Petrangelo.
1: Yeah, and, and to go along with that Pacioretty thing, I think Pacioretty's been very good. He, You, you mentioned he's got two assists on two huge goals. I also have no... Like, if you go back and watch Carey Price's like, four or five best saves of this series, he's had a few ridiculous ones. Uh, the best one being that backdoor save on Alex Tuck. Almost every one of those robberies came off of a Max Pacioretty cross-crease pass. Like, that was Pacioretty passing it to Tuck. He had another one, I'm blanking who it was to, and it was a backdoor play, I think maybe Marsh or so, um, that Pacioretty sent on the power play that uh, Carey Price made a phenomenal... It was during one of the first two games in Vegas. But the point I'm trying to make is, I think Pacioretty is making more... Impact offensive plays than any forward on the team right now, and and that's not a high bar to clear because the bo- the top six forwards have just not been good enough.
0: So who's the who's been the best line consistently in this series for Vegas?
1: Probably the Carlson line. Um, they obviously mm. haven't scored. I don't know if you agree or not. I they haven't scored, but they have certainly. Had the most dangerous shifts. They've controlled the puck in the offensive zone probably better than anyone else. They they find ways to buy time. Like the Stone, Patcheri, whoever the hell's between them. It's been Tuck, Nosik, Kolasar. They're trying it. Wah! They're trying everyone that line seems to struggle to generate space in the offensive zone. Like they've gotten in the offensive zone, but then they're just smothered and they have nowhere to go with the puck. Whereas Carlson Smith and Marshall. So they get that cycle game going behind the net and they find ways to open up space. And while none of those three have goals in this series, they have been on the ice for the defenseman goals, right? Like McNabb last night, that was set up by Carlson and that was set up by nice movement behind the net that, that line to me has, has been the best. And again, it's a very low bar to clear. The third line obviously has the most production, but they've also had some really bad shifts.
0: Yeah. So like I'm in terms of production, it's obviously the third line. That's the line that seems to be able to find a goal here and there when it's needed. But I like, I'm not that far off with, uh, from where you're at with the, with the misfit line simply because I understand William Carlson doesn't get the goal last night, but he does all the work, right? Like, That goal doesn't happen if the Misfits aren't on the ice. It's Braden McNabb scores it. That's great, but it's really a goal that is, is generated because of the hard work down low by William Carlson. I'm going to give that line a pass. And to your point on Max Pacioretty, I do think he's played well. It just hasn't been dynamic, right? Like There just haven't been enough chances to make Carey Price have to work or have to steal a game. And I think that's the interesting thing here. If you would have told me, Legitimately told me a week ago, this series is going to be tied 2-2 to after game number four. I would have expected Carey Price was the reason that happened. I would have expected Carey Price stole those two games. To this point, the only goalie that's stolen a game really, really, is Robin Leonard.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Well, the thing with the the, the thing with the Carey Price thing, it's kind of weird because the the teams won the games that they shouldn't have won, right? Like they sure. they deserved to split in Montreal, but Vegas should have won Game Three and Montreal should have won Game Four. So, like, I think you could argue Price stole Game Three. I mean, the Golden Knights completely dominated that game, and and yet Montreal came out with a win. Just the way Montreal actually, I think Vegas dominated Game Three more than then Montreal dominated game four. Um, but I mean, but it wasn't the spectacular saves from price. He actually had the more spectacular saves in, in Vegas. No,
0: I, I mean, you could make the argument. I, I don't necessarily think that Vegas generated enough quality in game number three. Certainly they had their opportunities in the, the save on Tuck. That's probably the best save that Carey price made. So if you want to argue that goal goes in, that's him stealing the game for sure. But when you look at the best goaltender performance so far in this series, and it's nice that we're getting to this because I'm sure it's everyone's favorite topic and what everybody wants to hear us talk about today, the best goaltending performance in this series belongs to Robin Leonard.
1: Yeah, he was awesome last night. Um, I, especially early, I was, Worried about how he would start the game. Um, he's just because since he's been in Vegas, he's kind of been a slow starter. Like when he has bad moments. Like if you think in the in the year and a half, two years, Robin Leonard's been with the Golden Knights, and you think, okay, when when are the bad goals he's letting? It's almost always early, right? And then he kind of settles in and plays better as the game goes on. And you combine that with the fact that he'd played only one game in 21 days, and that game was an absolute shit show. And you get benched after that game and don't play for the next, whatever, six games. That's hard to come back from. And I was worried how he would start the game. I like I felt like if he could just be okay in the beginning, he'd settle in and he'd be his normal self, which is an awesome goalie. And he was awesome early on, and he had to be because Vegas was not good. I think, what was it, 11-4 were the shots in the first period? Yeah. Had, had that one really big uh, toe save on the one-timer. I forgot who it was that shot. It was Corey Perry who centered the pass. It was Eric Stahl. Yeah. yeah and it yeah. was
0: Eric Stahl both times. So it was the pad and then it was the glove on, on the follow up. So it's two saves and one right there for Leonard. Yeah,
1: huge start for him. That to me, that was the the most impressive part of what he did. And like obviously the breakaway save on Caulfield is the is the like signature moment for him in that game. But to me, the most impressive part and the most maybe surprising part was how solid he not just making the saves. Because I say this all the time with goalies, like statistics are overrated, and to be honest, the results don't always indicate aren't always indicative of how the goalie's playing. Leonard looked good in that first period; like he looked confident. He was coming out. He had one save. Um, oh man, who was it? Was a blocker save, and he was way out at the top of his crease. And it's like that is a confident Robin Leonard to me. So he he was super impressive.
0: Yeah, I think that for me, going into the game. Um, and I intentionally stayed off Twitter for the majority of the pregame, for the majority of leading up to Robin Leonard's eventual start. So you helped. Because so you
1: didn't help the game, them win the game at all? No, no. I'm not like you. I don't stir the pot, Jesse. <laughs> hey, I single-handedly like, helped the Golden Knights win that game. Do, You're welcome. Do you, feel, do you feel a
0: sense of pride for being a jackass? Like, do you, do you feel a sense of pride
1: for talking shit about Robin Leonard? That's, that's the thing. Show me where I that's and like, like, and I know you're just doing this because like I have so many people tweeting. I can't, I can't even read them all because there's so many after the game that are like expecting an apology or like what I'm, I am. The floor is yours, buddy. I am baffled by how anyone (laughs) could take what I said verbally or wrote yesterday as talking shit about Robin. Like, show me the receipts. I would love to see the receipts. I literally am asked to give my opinion on a situation. And I said, which goalie I would play in that same fucking thing. I said, Robin Leonard's an awesome goalie. I completely understand why this is a, a decision. If it was me, I would go with this guy. However, Pete DeBoer has Proven that he makes the right decision almost every time. Like I was, <laughs> I was texting Ken <laughs> after the game. It's it's almost unbelievable. Pete DeBoer makes the weirdest decisions. Not just goalie. I'm talking taking Nick Holden out of the lineup when he's like the fourth leading scorer in the playoffs for Nick Haig. Like he's made some. He like takes Ryan Reeves out after Ryan Reeves' only good game of the playoffs. Like he he has made some strange lineup decisions. This this postseason but it seems to be the right decision literally every single time like Pete DeBoer yep. we keep using the pushing the buttons phrase because he used it in his introductory press conference when I asked him Mm -hmm. like what his pitch was to Kelly McCrimmon and it's a great phrase he pushes the right buttons this time of year he did it last year he's doing it again this year I said yesterday everybody go listen to my periscope whatever the hell you call that thing I did with Ken of Sinbin I said if it was me (laughs) Literally, I'm being asked a question. My opinion, people want to know my opinion, I give my opinion. My opinion is Marc-Andre Fleury is the best goalie in the league. Andre Vasilevsky is the only goalie that I would even consider an argument. Marc-Andre Fleury has been the best goalie in the league this year. If it's me, that's who I'm playing. However, that's not me talking shit about Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard a top 10 goalie in the league. Just because he's not better than flurry doesn't make him not good or mean mean that I think he isn't a good goalie That's that blows my mind. So they ask me who would you play? I say flurry in the same sentence I say I'd play flurry, but at the same time whoever DeBoer plays that's probably the right choice because he's smarter than me
0: Okay, so I have contended for a long long time that there's not much difference between Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury. I think both guys give you excellent goaltending. Both guys, you're relatively going to get about the same thing. The main difference, and I've always contended this, and you can check the receipts with all of these podcasts, the difference between Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard is that Marc-Andre Fleury can make some great saves that he's not supposed to make. And Marc-Andre Fleury can let in some goals that he should never, ever allow. And with Robin Leonard, you don't really get those extremes. He has made some brilliant saves. But by and large, the goals that go in are goals that are absolute goals, right? They're they're not flukes. They're not those types of plays. And I know Pete DeBoer said last night after the game that the misplay had nothing to do with it. I tend to believe that. I tend to
1: think that's a complete lie.
0: I tend to believe that because... You could see mistakes creeping into Fleury's game. It started with the Brandon Sod goal. It continued with the misspoke check on Paul Byron, and it culminated with that play behind the net. So I don't think that that play was the reason. I think it was all three of those plays in conjunction that made Pete DeBoer say, no, "Mark andre Fleury right now is not looking comfortable and not on the top of his game. So what do I have? What do I have on the bench? I've got a guy that I know if I put him in there, the goals that are going to go in are pure goals. There's there's not going to be something that floats by. There's not going to be something fluky. And I think that style has merit, especially in a game you expect to dominate possession against Montreal. The problem for the Golden Knights is that they didn't dominate fucking anything last night. They got, play completely taken to them and then robin leonard went out and stole a game for vegas
1: here's why that pete saying that that had no impact on the decision is just completely wrong it's 100 false you're gonna tell me ryan that if that goal never happens if the puck mm-hmm. never, if the puck never goes off, Flurry skate and in front of the net, and Josh Anderson puts it in, and they win that game two to one, because there's only a minute left, minute fifty-five left. If the Golden Knights win that game two to one, Flurry probably would have been one of the three stars of the game. Like he wasn't huh? spectacular in that game, but he was very good and allowed only one goal. You're telling me, going up two to one, he just allowed one goal. They're going to Leonard if they win that game. I call complete bullshit. Absolutely no chance that happens. What if they did?
0: You got a two one series lead. Everything else beyond the split is gravy. No chance. And you've got it and you've got a goalie that's tired. You've got a goalie that is He's mentally not tired, making though. mistakes. He's
1: making mistakes, Jesse. He's not tired. That okay, he's I, okay, yeah, he's okay. made some mistakes. The right, right, goal was a it's huge not, mistake, but it's not it's it's not a tired mistake. It's I thought the puck it's was going wide. tired, Jesse. He's I, not mentally sharp in the game. I disagree. Three
0: fucking three fucking mistakes in the matter of he, five games. M- that is so uncharacteristic for Marc-André Fleury this year. Tell me I'm wrong. You're wrong. How, you're, how you're, many you're not times, wrong. You're not how wrong many that times, he's making
1: mistakes that are uncharacteristic. That absolutely happened. But that has nothing to do no with physical fatigue.
0: How many times in a five-game span this year has Marc-Andre Fleury made three egregious, egregious mistakes? I.
1: It has nothing to do with fatigue is what I'm telling
0: you. Mental fatigue, Jesse.
1: I disagree. He's not
0: mentally sharp in
1: these games. I disagree. And so does he, by the way. That's, um, I mean, that's fine. He can. He's, he's not fatigued. He's not fatigued. Like, he, he I don't expect him to say that he is. He has made mistakes. Yes. that I'm not disagreeing with you at, on that at all. And again, I'm not like if like yesterday I was asked, who would I start flurry? But I'm not saying if you start Leonard, you're an idiot. I never said that. I, I, I did not crush DeBoer for making that decision. All I said was, if you're asking my opinion, this is who I would start. But. Again, Pete DeBoer is smarter than I am. He continually makes the right decisions. Starting Leonard was the right decision last night. Leonard proved it in the game. However, all I'm saying is Marc-Andre Fleury isn't tired. That's the only point I'm making. I'm not saying Leonard was the wrong decision. It was clearly the right decision. Leonard played awesome. He probably deserves to play game five because he was so awesome. All I'm saying is the one piece of information in all of this that is not true is Marc-Andre Fleury's not tired.
0: Okay, that's fine. You can say he's not tired and I don't think he's physically exhausted. No, I don't think that. But I think that there is a reason for Marc-Andre Fleury making three incredibly uncharacteristic mistakes in the span of five games. That wasn't happening at the beginning of the playoffs. It didn't happen at any other point during this season. And I think that Pete DeBoer was being somewhat honest there by saying it wasn't that play that made my decision. I think it was all of those mistakes building up over time, understanding that you've got an elite goaltender, as your backup, and saying, you know what? If I put Marc-Andre Fleury back into a situation, if I don't get him away from the rink, or just a break of some kind, whatever it is, just to kind of reset, that if he goes out there and lets in another one, his confidence could be completely shot. So I think in that moment, in in, in the context of this series, and the context of what you've seen from Marc-Andre Fleury in the recent history, that was the Absolute right move for for Pete DeBoer to say, you know what, we're deep at goalie. We have a guy on the on the bench that I have trust in, I
1: believe in. So I'm going to go with a guy that I think is is going to get us through this game. And he was right. Right. He definitely was. And and I agree with like if you if you present the argument, the decision was because of the mistakes Fleury has made, all of them, not just the one, I'll buy that. Sure. I just yeah. don't buy the the this has nothing to do with play and only to do with with fatigue from playing in the playoffs. That particular narrative, the this has nothing to do with the results on the ice, only giving him a rest. That is a complete lie.
0: I think I think it has to do with mistakes. I don't think yes. it's one isolated mistake, but I do think that I, Okay, I agree when, with you there. when you're looking at Mark Andre Fleury and you're looking at what he's been able to do this year versus the last 5 game stretch, has he been at that level? No, he hasn't. Well, he's I been un unchar- he, It is it has been uncharacteristic for him the amount of mistakes that he's making.
1: When you say That's he, my only argument. I I agree, but I mean Every, like, again, this, I get into this same argument, I feel like, once a week. The goalie position is obviously unique. And when you sign up to play goalie, you're signing up for every little mistake you make is the end of the fucking world. However, overreacting to those mistakes is just as bad as, like, underreacting to them. Like, it's just as much of a fault. And, like, I'm not saying Pete DeBoer, I'm saying, People who say Fleury's been bad in this series, that's he's been outstanding for ninety-nine percent of the time he's been on the ice. He's been really good. But his benchmark,
0: his baseline this year isn't really good. His benchmark this year is absolutely phenomenal. Right? So right. so we're not we're not measuring Marc Andre Fleury against other goalies. We're not measuring him against, you know, a pretty good league average goalie. We're looking at Mark Andre. We're saying, is he playing to the level that he was playing at all year long? My contention over the course of the last five games is no. It doesn't mean he hasn't been very good. It doesn't mean that he hasn't made crazy ridiculous saves and helped his team win a playoff series. But he hasn't been as dominant as he was earlier on in the year. That's it.
1: I, I agree with that. I think playing Colorado hurts that like I think I think people are a little lower on how well he's played because it was Colorado. And like that team is hard to shut down. And like, so like my, my point is if, if it, if it wasn't the best offensive team in hockey that he had just come off of a a six game series with his stats would be better. His, his everything would seem better. I mean, that Colorado team was like the fact that they beat him four games in a row is insane.
0: Yeah. And again, I'm not saying in this, in this moment right now, if you go with Robin Leonard, or you go with Marc-Andre Fleury in game five, or you decide to make a rotation, I don't really care what you do. I have faith in both goalies. And the fact of the matter is, if the Golden Knights get eliminated in the playoffs, whether it be this round or whether it be the Stanley Cup final, it's not going to be because of goaltending. And I think we we've yep. we've got this this super skewed and and kind of fucked up way of looking at both goaltenders. And it's not just And from a media perspective, and I I push back on the media narrative quite a bit because we're in the business of having to have opinions, as you've already mentioned, Jesse. So we're going to have an opinion one way or another. My opinion going into yesterday's game was that you start Marc-Andre Fleury and the leash is short. He gives up a bad goal. He has he has a shaky moment. He just doesn't look particularly comfortable. Then you make the switch to Robin Leonard in game. That's what I would have done. But at the same time, I wasn't surprised about this at all because you paid a premium for goaltending this year with the caveat of we're not going to lose a, a series because our goaltending isn't good enough. Because if one guy can't do it, the other guy can And if one guy is going and the other guy isn't, then we're going to ride the hot hand. And the the plague for the Golden Knights, the thing that's all, that it's always going to come back to, is never goaltending. Yep. So it doesn't matter if it's Robin Leonard. It doesn't matter if it's Marc-Andre Fleury. You could literally put either one in there and they're both going to give you just about two goals against and 93 to 94% of the saves. That's what they do. Yep. That is what they do. Ken, you mentioned Ken. And I think that, that when Robin Leonard was coming back from his injury and trying to figure out who was going to play the games against Colorado, Ken made a statement where if you have a thousand shots, the difference between what Mark Andre will save and Robin Leonard will save on a thousand shots is maybe one or two goals. Maybe one or two. That's the difference between these two goalies. But when you turn on Twitter and when you look at the fan base, it is fucking divided for no reason. For no fucking reason. Well, it's stop. So hold on. Stop fucking doing it. Stop fucking doing it. Either guy is, is pull, both of these guys, Marc Andre, Robin Leonard, Both of these guys are pulling on the same fucking rope. And if you're a fan, if you're a fan of this team, stop fucking shitting on either guy. Just stop fucking doing it. It's tiresome. It's ridiculous. And it's a bad, bad reflection of the fan base. It really fucking
1: is. Yeah, I agree with you. It's also normal. Um, You don't see it very much in hockey. Not not like this. No, no, no. no, no. You don't see it in hockey because there aren't, Top two top ten goalies on the same team, but as someone who like my like I'm am a big NFL fan. That's probably the sport where I allow myself to be the biggest like fan and just go crazy and like be nonsensical because <laughs> <like>, I like I <laughs> like like I I love the Denver Broncos and like it's funny because on Twitter I'm I try to be like the logical like I'm, I try to like calm the fans down and I'm like look I know you're you're thinking like this because you're a fan but like let me let me put it in this way when I watch the Denver Broncos. I am the crazy, nonsensical, like jump to conclusions. That's me, right? Like, I I allow myself to be a fan in that. And in football, this happens with quarterbacks every year on multiple teams. And quarterbacks will divide a fan base. It happens. It happens in Denver, it happens all across the NFL some of the fans will get the quarterback they like some of the fans will get to pick the quarterback they like and then they hate anyone who's not their quarterback and they every time the other quarterback plays bad they're like yes I told you I'm right and then when their quarterback plays good they're like see I knew it it's hap- that's that's basically what's happening with Florian Leonard. is everyone has kind of drawn their their line in the sand and they're like this is my guy and when I have to like I want to be right I like I agree with you that it's <laughs> it, sh- it should stop but I also, I think it's this is a normal fandom thing like this is what happens in sports like that's kind of what makes them awesome. <laughs> I mean to an extent it does
0: I just I feel like it's so excessive like it, it is it's so tiresome it really is and and again at the end of the day for me cuz I remember what it was like to be a fan um and I don't feel like I'm a fan of anything anymore. Because you go behind the curtain, you see how the sausage is made, and all of a sudden you're like, no, I'm not really. I, I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fucking fan of anything. Like, that's that's my life right now. But I feel like when I was a, a die hard fan, I didn't give a shit about anything but wins and losses, right? Like, I don't care. Like, I didn't care if it was Jonathan Quick or Jonathan fucking Bernier or if it was um, – Dustin Brown fucking in goal for the king. Like, I didn't give a shit so long as they won a game, right? Like, that's all that matters to me. And I understand having your favorite players. I totally get that. But it's every single decision that is ever made with the goalies is either going to be the end of the franchise, it's going to be a 7 nothing loss because right. that's how it is, or it's going to be a 17 nothing win because, oh, this fucking goalie is going to go down and score a fucking hat trick too. Like, it, it's just, it's just understand and appreciate the run that this team is on and recognize the fact that both goalies are 100% capable of winning you a game, stealing you a game and winning a Stanley cup.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what it all comes down to is it's this team's fate will not be decided by the goalies. Their goalies are going to be awesome. And if it's up to the goalies, they're going to win the Stanley cup. Like if like, that's the thing, if it comes down to goaltending, they're probably going to win the Stanley cup. Like you could argue maybe Vasilevsky's better, but I think overall the golden Knights are going to win the Stanley cup. If it comes down to goaltending, the problem is it's not, it's going to come down to, can they score? and specifically can the top six score. The last thing I'll say on the goalie thing is you keep asking all the fans to, to stop it. I don't know if the Golden Knights win last night if the fans don't stop hating on Robin Leonard because how, what else is he going to do for two hours before the game? Come on. What is he going <laughs> to fill listen, that stop. time with?
0: I think it was a great soundbite.
1: He took his I, own I bus really to the arena. He took his own bus to the arena. <laughs> listen, four listen, hours it's a- early
0: it's it's a great soundbite it really is It was amazing but the motivation for robin leonard last night was to go out there and have a good fucking game and try to help his team win a stanley cup i think the the shutting up people on twitter was probably a little further down the priority list for robin leonard last night if i'm being honest with myself
1: it was amazing the soundbite it was great i love robin leonard's press conferences so are you going to talk shit about robin leonard when he starts game five (laughs) <laughs> this is like I I don't understand why people think I talk shit about Robin Leonard like, find <laughs> me find me a tweet find me a sentence in my story where I talk shit about Robin Leonard like it doesn't well, who, like who is he talking
0: about then I mean, I mean it, like it, it, it sure as shit wasn't
1: me I honestly don't know like it's I mean obviously it's on Twitter I don't know if he's specifically talking about the media if he's talking about the fans if he's talking about all of everyone in general, I honestly don't know because who in the media, like I'm trying to, like, I don't remember anyone being like, I remember people being shocked when a Vezina finalist gets benched in the playoffs. It should be shocking to everyone. Like there's nothing. It's not a slight to Robin Leonard. Like when the Canadian media was shocked too. everyone in Montreal, when I reported Robin Leonard's expected to start every one of my responses from Canadian media was yeah, I think DeBoer is just like playing games. Like they thought in their minds, he's this is just DeBoer playing games. It's going to be Flurry. That's how surprising it was, and the fact that it's surprising is not a slight against Robin Leonard at all. It's not a negative against Robin Leonard if everyone's like, "Oh shit, they're benching Flurry." Like that's not a slight against Robin Leonard, but he takes it that way.
0: Um, I think you just like to talk shit.
1: It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I don't know who's so, going to start in Game Five. Who would you start in Game Five?
0: Um, listen, I I am one hundred percent recency bias guy. I'm going Leonard. Like it, it would be one thing if the Golden Knights went out and and won that game six to one or six to two, and their offense was rolling, and Robin Leonard made twelve saves on thirteen shots. Right? right? Like that's a completely different game. But when you when you reduce everything down to the scoring chances, the high danger chances, 18 to one in favor of the Montreal Canadiens and Robin Leonard allows one goal, I think he's earned himself another start. And I do think that with the way that both goalies are playing right now, Robin Leonard coming off of that game, you should have confidence saying, you know what, we're going to let Robin have the net for game five and we're just going to ride whatever hand we think is the hottest at the time right now. And there were there were less mistakes in Robin Leonard's game last night than there were from Mark Andre Fleury in the game that he played before. So if I'm Pete DeBoer, given how well Leonard played, I go into Game Five with the same lineup.
1: I agree. I would start Robin Leonard. Also, I think he deserves. I think he. I think he deserves an, at least one more based on that game. So
0: there you go. Um, watch it be Mark Andre Fleury,
1: and then and, watch but, everybody hey, meltdown. I hope. I hope Fleury tells me that he listen to this podcast and heard me talking shit about him because I said Leonard should start. No, no, no! I'm the
0: one to talk shit about Fleury because <laughs> yeah. I said he was making mistakes. Right. right Which right. again, like in the same breath, Mark Andre Fleury is a future Hall of Famer, three time Stanley Cup champion. If you put him in there, I doubt he's going to make any more mistakes. Like that's just that's just how goaltending is sometimes. Yep. Um, all right, let, let's. So the Golden Knights need to fucking score. Um, they need Mark Stone to step up. They need Max Patch ready to be uh, better than he's been. They need the misfits to dominate some plays down low and they, they need to not chase the game like they did in game four, like for the golden Knights coming back home game five. I would like to see them attack the Montreal Canadians in the same way that they attacked the Colorado avalanche in games three and four relentless forecheck check pressure. Do not allow Montreal to move the puck up the ice and just live and force turnovers and find ways to score some goals
1: yeah i agree i think they i i think montreal's pressure is giving them major major issues the golden knights seem to not have any time and space anywhere on the ice and like last night's game was ugly like that was an ugly hockey game it was fun because it was close it was competitive and it's playoff hockey and it's a huge game that will determine like the outcome of a season so it was fun to watch but the actual quality of the hockey was about as bad as a golden knights game has been all year right like it was it was ugly hockey now was it the vegas goal okay so
0: the pressure for montreal is interesting because like they just have that reckless, abandoned four check, right? Where they just don't give a shit. They'll send one, two, three. They'll, they'll continue to pressure the puck wherever it is. And to me, it's just a matter of the Golden Knights not having their outlets where, when they need them in order to break that four check early.
1: Yeah, and it, it doesn't help that Shea Theodore has been horrendous. Um, I think for the most part, the defense has been great. But Shea Theodore, like we talk about making mistakes that guy just cannot stop turning the puck over right now and and it's obviously Montreal deserves some credit for that they're pressuring him but I think it's Theodore's on the ice for half the game when he's not breaking the puck out quickly and as as well as he is capable of because he's capable of breaking it out as well as any player on the planet and he just hasn't been and I think when the when he's not breaking it out as well it puts the forwards in a tougher spot like you don't get that puck in speed like on your blade with speed, it's a little bit behind you. You have to slow down a little bit. Now, suddenly that guy that's back checking you is all over you. Whereas if you would have caught it in like to me, the difference between game like game three, the Golden Knights dominated game four, they struggled. To me, it's literally the difference in a foot of passing. Like they pass it right on their tape. The Golden Knights are flying into the zone. They, They have space. They are able to establish themselves in the offensive zone and then once they do that they are a nightmare to deal with and then in games where they're not generating like last night it's those passes are just not as crisp. They're a little bit behind the guy. And then like, and and it's a chain reaction, right? Like one pass behind a guy that forces him to slow down, allows the defenseman to close in. Then he doesn't have as much time. So he just chips it into the corner when, and it's not a corner where he's got support. So now there's nobody to get it there. And Canadians get an easy breakout, like things like to me, it's just sloppy passing. And that's, uh, it's, it's sloppy passing by the golden Knights, but it's a, effect of a result of the pressure that the Canadians are putting on them.
0: So what happens the rest of the way? What's your official prediction for this best of three between Vegas and Montreal?
1: Yeah, man, it's tough because things just haven't... like In the Colorado series, I felt... Every game, someone would ask me, like, what do you think happens tonight? And I felt confident about it. Like, I felt yeah. good. In this series, I don't feel good trying to make predictions. Like, it's things, <laughs> things, have, like, I don't feel like I have a good grasp. And I also think, and I think this is also a product of us not getting to see these teams all year, right? Like we, in the Minnesota series, I felt so comfortable analyzing that series because I felt like I knew every player on Minnesota's lineup. I I knew all their line combinations. I know what they do. I've watched them all year. We've seen them play the Golden Knights a billion times. Same with the Avalanche. And now it's suddenly this team that has never played them. And like, it's been a year and a half since they had played prior to this series. And it just, the hockey has been all over the place.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it's going seven. I don't think it's going seven. I think whoever wins tomorrow takes the series in six. I really do. I kind of just have the sense that if if the Vegas Golden Knights can find their game and win tomorrow, then I just don't think that Montreal is going to be able to to find the recipe. To, to beat Vegas in a game six. Like I know you're going to go home. You're still going to be without your head coach, Dom Ducharme, which is like just fucking insane anyway. Yeah. Um, I just think that the, the longer it goes for Montreal without their coach, the harder it's going to be for this team to find ways to win. Um, I think Vegas wins the next two games. Yeah, I, I really do.
1: I think and Vegas that's wins the series. I don't know if it's six or whatever. Like, the the thing I'm confident is Vegas will win this series. They're the better team. They can't lose to this. This team's not as good as they are.
0: Okay, so let's get some questions in before we got to get out of here. um Llama essentially asks why Matthias Yanmark isn't
1: the guy centering Patch Ready and Stone. I don't know. I I said that during the middle of the game. That It's I mean, a great fucking question. It was... And like to me, Matthias Yamark is the closest player to Chandler Stevenson. Not that he's close to Chandler Stevenson, but just like in terms of style, like he's a quick guy. He's not nearly as fast, but he he can play center. He, he has played center a lot. Um, I figured they would try him like not that he is like the automatic slam dunk choice. Just the fact that they've tried Nick Waugh, Keegan Kolasar, Tomasz Nosik, and Alex Tuck, who a guy who's never played center in his life. Um, and they haven't tried Yanmark is a little surprising. Maybe they will. They're still searching for answers, right? Like unless Chandler Stevenson comes back, which maybe he didn't make the trip to Montreal, so we don't know how close he is. But he's
0: on. He's technically on the horizon, Jesse. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah on the horizon. Yeah. Um, if he isn't <laughs> able to play, I'm just so sick of. I'm so sick of the the team's injury updates. I'm like absolutely fed up with it. Um, the. <laughs> And then and then you know what makes it even worse is when you watch the other teams and they're just like, yeah, hurt his ankle. He might be back tomorrow. And they like give you this super detailed update. Um, I don't know how the Golden Knights don't win the Stanley Cup with withholding this information. But anyways, um, back to the actual topic. If Chandler Stevenson can't go, they're still searching for answers because Stone and Patch Ready, once again, were not effective last night, especially at five on five. Well, that's all they had. But anyways, I, I think Matthias Yammark might get a chance in there. We'll see. So, this is from Chila. Nick Waugh
0: mentioned in his post game interview that the game plan was to roll four lines. That clearly didn't happen in game three with Reeves sitting on the bench most of the game. Who do you expect on the fourth line in game number five? And is there a benefit of having two centers on it? Um, the last part of the question there absolutely is a benefit to having two centers. Uh, there's a little bit more responsibility from a defensive standpoint when you've got two centers. And if they if they shoot opposite, so if one's a righty, one's a lefty, then you can kind of pick and choose which guy's going to take that, that face-off on their strong hand. Um, yep. In terms of who do I think is going to be on the fourth line, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if it's Carrier, sick and Brown again. I think... And maybe we'll get to this with another question. If your power play isn't working and there's a player that the coaching staff has identified as the power play is probably their strongest asset as a professional NHL player, I would probably put that player into the lineup to help your power play. I think you can get Cody Glass on the fourth line I think you can trust him enough in, in in five on five, at least in the same way that you trusted Ryan Reeves in game three. And then if which you is, get power which is plays, not at all. <laughs> and then if you get power plays, you put him out there and see what he can do.
1: Yeah, I mean you'd think I, I honestly don't know what is going on. I don't know if there's something going on behind the scenes or what. Because them not playing glass, them like I I it's unfathomable to me that you would play Ryan Reeves when you were literally so terrified to put him on the ice that he went 30 minutes without touching the ice. In the third period in overtime, he went 30 minutes of action, not real time, 30 minutes of hockey action without touching the ice once because they were terrified of putting him on the ice. You'll play that player, but not Cody Glass. That's amazing to me. That, either there's something going on that we don't know, or Cody Glass is horrible and and like in the coaching staff size and they want absolutely nothing to do with him. To me, that's it's the only option. Either there's something going on that we don't know. Maybe he's banged up. Maybe he's making mistakes that we're not seeing. Maybe there's something we don't know. Or Cody Glass, their opinion of Cody Glass is beyond low.
0: Timothy Hansford, in Jesse's opinion this is great i don't have to do anything does logan thompson have the skill set to make it as a starter who would be the most comparable goalie in today's rosters do you see the knights keeping him around and investing in him
1: i mean he has he certainly has i mean a guy who is the best goalie in the AHL in any particular year can definitely be a backup goalie in the NHL um I don't know if Logan Thompson can be a starter because there are only 30 starting goalies, 31, about to be 32 starting goalies in the NHL. You have to be really, really, really good to be a consistent number one goalie in the NHL. I don't know if Logan Thompson will ever be there. I think he certainly has the skill set to where you can project him as a at least a backup moving forward based on the season he had in the AHL this year. In terms of, what was it? Compar- they want a comparison? Comparable, uh, yeah. I hate doing these because it always ends up being like it's I'm I'm looking at just the style of the goalie, not the level of the goaltending. And pe- people always end up taking it and saying, oh, he's going to be that good. That's not it at all, because it's funny, because stylistically wise, you know who I was watching Logan Thompson in practice a couple weeks ago. And you know who he kind of reminds me of Andre Vasilevsky. Mm. And the reason is no goalie in the league, maybe no goalie ever covers the bottom of the net better than Andre Vasilevsky the dude is like in almost a half his stance if you look at that Andre Vasilevsky' stance he's almost like halfway going down into the butterfly because he just is barely on his edges like it's almost amazing how he keeps his edges because his pads are so low and because of that, he goes down into the butterfly so quick. And once he's down there, he moves really well. Like, there's no other goalie in the league that once they're down on their knees, they can he can use those little butterfly slides back and forth. He doesn't even need to get back up on his skates. He can kind of just slide side to side. And he just takes away the bottom of the net. You cannot score. You have to elevate it over him. And he kind of keeps his gloves out in front of him, a little more in front of him than most goalies. And to me, that's kind of, when I watch Logan Thompson, I see he's very low to the ice. He he protects the bottom of the net well and his gloves are forward in his stance. So to me, because of those things, it's Vasilevsky. He is not Andre Vasilevsky. He's probably never gonna be Andre Vasilevsky. So please do not take that. I know the headline out of this podcast will be Logan Thompson equals Andre Vasilevsky. But that that's the title. That would be the style. Of of like just the guy he reminds me of when I watch goalies around the league. His 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 positioning is very similar to Vasilevsky and and he skates really well. I I like Logan Thompson skating. He's aggressive, um, like Vasilevsky is. I, I think he's he's definitely got the skills to be a real NHL goalie. I just don't know if he'll ever be a number one guy.
0: Okay. Um Logan Thompson is Andre Vasilevsky, according to Jesse Granger. That's great. <laughs> I love it. What a well, like you can't you can't say I hate doing comparables because then it, it, it like it always turns into this thing where it's like, oh, I'm saying X player is going to turn into Y. And then you use Andre fucking Vasilevsky. What the fuck is wrong with they, Jesse? They
1: stand similar. Watch them. I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> oh, it's great. That's the title of the podcast. All right. Um, this is from Sun at Sunny LV 808. Um, is the officiating that one-sided in Vegas's favor aside from the high stick, no call should have been a major. I'm seeing just a lot of no calls on both sides.
1: Do you want me to take this or do you want to go?
0: Okay. So the officiating has been fucking terrible. Um, I think we can all agree that the officiating has been fucking terrible. And I'm not even like going to sit here and be like, nah, we'll call the rule book because I'm not even asking for the rule book. I'm not even asking for like, you know, regular season officiating. I'm asking for like the standard that used to be set in the playoffs. If it's egregious, then it's a call. But if it isn't egregious, then okay, you want to play on. It is baffling. It's mystifying to me that Will Carrier could get cross checked in the numbers, head first into the glass, no call, but Nick Suzuki barely reaches in on alec martinez and it's a fucking penalty like it's the dumbest thing in the world what we're doing with officiating and i'm not asking for much if it's a cross check if it's boarding if it is a clear trip if it's something you'd call in the first minute of the first period call it in the final minute of the third period
1: call it an overtime just call the blatant shit that's all yeah, I agree with you that the officiating's been terrible. I will say, I I will pick a side and say the officiating's been in Vegas's favor in this series, not intentionally. I'm not saying they're intentionally. Oh, sure. yeah. I'm saying unintentionally through them messing up, they have messed up more in Vegas's favor than they have messed up in Montreal's favor. And the reason I think, and and I have I kind of started trying to explain this to Habs fans on Twitter, and then I was like, yeah, this is not a winning battle. I'm just gonna dip out of this one. But the reason I think that. Montreal feels they're getting the short end of the stick so much is because Vegas is a more physical team. Vegas is a bigger, stronger, more physical team than Montreal is. They initiate contact a lot more. So when the officials are completely fucking their jobs up and not calling anything that they're supposed to, it's going to favor Vegas because they're the more physical team. So they're all over Montreal. And like we've all these hits that the, the Canadians fans are crying about it happens more to Vegas because they're the more physical team. So I think the incompetent officiating has certainly helped Vegas in this series.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. I just wish that it wasn't incompetent, right? Like, yeah. that's, that's all I wish. Like, just when you set the standard that early in the game that nothing's going to be called, and then halfway through the game, you're like, well, I'm going to call some ticky-tack bullshit. Then it's just, what are the players supposed to do? Right. What are they supposed to do? It's it's insane. Um, okay. So will the go? I've seen this a couple of times uh, through, through this, this mailbag, will the golden Knights try to keep Alec Martinez?
1: Oh, they're certainly going to try. I just don't, will know. they, will they keep Alex Martinez? It's going to be tough, man. And he's making it tougher with every game, right? Like his, his, if I'm Alec Martinez's agent, every time he lays in front of one of these monster slapshots, it's like, and there's an extra zero. <laughs> like he's, he's making himself a lot of money in these playoffs. He's been phenomenal. He's been so consistent. And I think he's, ma- he's been making $4 million for the last two years. I think prior to this season, I think a lot of people were hoping maybe they can bring him back for less than that. That's definitely not happening now. He's getting a raise, if anything. So it's going to be tough. The Golden Knights don't have a lot of cap space. They're going to have to make some really tough decisions. And I keep, I get, I get a lot of off-season questions, and I'll be perfectly honest. Right now, I am so focused on the playoffs, and I am dedicating every minute of my day to playoff coverage. I have not spoken with agents about free agency. I have not dug into the salary cap. I have not looked at the plan for what the Golden Knights are going to do. So I'll have a lot better answer for this a week after the Golden Knights season is over, whenever that is. But right now, I think they definitely want to keep him. I think it's going to be really tough to do.
0: So my answer to to every single... uh, This is the official answer. I'm not going to tweet it every time I get asked about the offseason or what the Golden Knights should or shouldn't do. But my official stance on the offseason is let's wait and see if they win a Stanley cup because what this team does in the off season, if they lose versus if they win is vastly, vastly different. Um, if they win, I don't give a shit who cares. Like they want a Stanley cup then just, just be good with that. And what come, whatever comes, comes, but, um, the, the question surrounding the offseason and what to do is incomplete right now because we don't know how it ends yet. So changes that we would make, players we'd like to go after, different types of construction, let's let's
1: save all that. Let's table all that for the offseason. Yeah, I completely agree, and you're 100% right. Like, while the GMs are taking a big-picture approach, these games matter in terms of what... Like For example, if the Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup, they're probably going to try to keep everyone that they had. They're going to maybe add a little piece here or there. They're going to want to keep Alec Martinez. Whereas if the Golden Knights get shut out the next two games and lose and and get zero goals from their top six, they're probably trading for Jack Eichel. So like, like, <laughs> like obviously that's two extremes, but I'm just like the point I'm trying to make, and I'm sure you agree, is these games that are happening right now will directly influence what happens this offseason.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, You know, I, I don't know what world I want to live in more, the (laughs) chaos theory of Jack Eichel or just the golden Knights winning a Stanley cup right before Seattle has to come into the league. Like talk about expectations, Jesus. All right. Uh, what do you, what do you got? Anything left? Anything else?
1: Uh, I have been kind of scrolling through these questions. You've, you've gotten a lot of them. Um,
0: It's riveting podcasting yeah, right here
1: you just air. you just go you just go and scroll and stop yeah talking. i'm just i'm just scrolling through twitter everybody knows what i'm doing everybody <laughs> listening right now fully realizes what i'm doing i'm just scrolling through all your questions there's 29 <laughs> of them on here and like hockey llama had like 15 of them himself and yeah i think there. i picked the best one from hockey llama if i'm being honest ryan when was the last time you hugged a stranger uh, i don't i
0: don't hug strangers i don't know i don't remember the last time i hugged a, a stranger yeah me neither that was a good question hugs are, hugs are reserved for people that i know like and that was pre-covid
1: yeah that's true yeah hugging strangers definitely uh has changed um, over the last year <laughs> i think we covered most of these like there are a lot of questions in here and i think a lot of them kind of overlap i think we've covered most of them
0: so before people start yelling at me on Twitter, I don't want you to stop being a fan. If you want to irrationally tweet angry messages about Robin Leonard or Marc-Andre Fleury or Mark Stone or Shea Theodore, go right fucking ahead. All I'm saying
1: is don't tag me. in That's it. That's all I'm asking. Mm. The, the players need reading material. Keep tweeting. Oh, come on. Stop it. All right, Jesse, where can people find your stuff? Theathletic.com. We got a bunch of good stuff up there. The off season is going to be fun. The expansion draft is going to be fun. I'm starting to work on like that. I'm starting to look towards that kind of stuff right now, like in the, in the distance. Um, you can go on there and get some kind of deal. I'm sure there's one on there at The Athletic. You can find me Monday
0: through Friday, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Fox Sports Las Vegas with the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show with Darren Millard and Chris Chapman. You can also find me uh, on the pregame show, intermission show, postgame show, for all Vegas Golden Knights games, of which there could be as little as two and as many as nine, ten, ten, ten? Ten? As much as ten. Jesus, yeah. ten more games, man. That's, that's interesting. Um, every single Golden Knights game day. So tune in and listen to me not swear and understand as you listen to these podcasts just how difficult my day job actually is for me because the fact that I haven't sworn on the radio is a small miracle and it happens every single day. Until next time, everybody be well, take care of each other, stop tweeting shitty things about goalies. Your life will be better for it.